Welcome to Wall Builders Live. This is the intersection of faith and the culture. And by the way, we've been saying that for 15, 18, I don't know how many years, a long, long time. I notice a lot of people have added that to their moniker, their byline, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, I just want to say we were, I think, first. I don't know. Anyway, I don't think anybody else was doing it when we started it. But it is the intersection of faith and the culture. Why is that important? Why does that, what does that phrase actually mean? It means that our faith informs everything that we do, including how we form our societies, our neighborhoods, how we vote, what our government looks like, how we build our businesses, how we treat our employees or how we treat our employer, how we treat our family. Faith is involved in everything. If you're truly a person of faith, if you're saying that this faith that I believe in changed my life, if, if, you, if you are saying that Christ is king in my life, then we are to obey everything he commands. And that's why it's so important to make sure that faith is also influencing our culture. So here at Wall Builders Live, the intersection of faith and the culture, and also if you're wondering, Wall Builders, that comes from the scripture in Nehemiah that says, Arise and rebuild the walls that we may no longer be a reproach. We are working to rebuild the foundations in America, and we are thankful that you're a part of that. My name is Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator and America's Constitution coach, and it is my honor to be here with David and Tim Barton. Tim's a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. David is a basically America's premier historian. No, basically to it. I mean, there is nobody on the planet that can quote the Founding Fathers like him that knows as much about the Founding Fathers and the founding of our country. He is absolutely America's premier historian, and we're thankful uh, to be here with him. He's also the founder of Wall Builders. So if you want to know more about all three of us, you can check out our website today at wallbuilderslive.com. All right, David and Tim, let's dive into some good news. Headed over to David Barton first. Well, let's see. I'm going to guess. I'm guessing. I have no idea what's in your stack, but I like to guess just for fun. We're going to a court case. Uh, no. You're not You're not right this time. I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm not, Rick. Uh, it just. I've never gotten it right. What do you mean this time? I've never guessed it right. I just had to try again. Well, okay. I wasn't going to point out the record. I just wanted people to think <laughs> this is the first time you missed it. But I, uh, Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. This, that was nice of you. Yeah, but sorry. Again, once again, Rick, you didn't get it right. So that makes you feel better. <laughs> so yeah, what yeah, thanks. <laughs> what we'll start with is ESG. ESG is environmental, social, and governance. It's been the big thing, particularly pushed through the Biden administration. It started long before that. It started back under Obama. Uh, they pushed it globally at that point in time. Trump was able to derail it pretty much for America, but Biden has got us back into that. And so it essentially is the, the concept of using um, social credit scores rather than economic credit scores to see whether you can get money, whether the bank's going to include you or whatnot. And we've talked in previous programs about how that with ESG, they're taking conservatives off of certain banks and, and cutting them out of certain things, kind of what Elon Musk is revealing about Twitter and who's been chopped out. And we don't want you to have a voice, so we're going to take you off platform. So this is that same kind of thing. It's really a social environmental um, kind of climate view that if, if you're not right on this, then we're just not going to let you be part of society. And what's happening is we started seeing pushback. Uh, several states, last year, 28 states introduced measures to stop this, this ESG usage against citizens. Uh, we saw the in West Virginia, they passed a measure there. The treasurer there, Riley Moore, we've had him on, and how that they were not even giving loans to individuals if they worked for a coal company because coal destroys the environment in their view, and therefore we're not going to let you live and, and have access to funds unless you change your lifestyle, unless you change your beliefs. And so that kind of coercion is what's been behind ESG. 
Uh, so a number of states have started taking action on that. Texas passed a law that said any bank that's going to boycott traditional energy usage, which that's a big deal for Texas and it is for the Dakotas and it is for Nebraska and so many other places where this is a big part of their production is, is oil production, energy production, natural gas, et cetera. If you're going to punish people for that, then our state's not going to do business with you. And so what's happened is we're starting to see that we're getting a lot of attention off this to the ESG folks. For example, when Riley Moore did this in West Virginia, uh, he said, hey, here's seven banks that West Virginia will not do business with because you've taken this environmental position and you're punishing citizens here in West Virginia and we're not going to let you be part of this. And one of the banks was U.S. Bank. Well, U.S. Bank said, wait a minute, if you're going to punish us, we'll drop the ESG stuff. We'd rather do business with real people than ESG. And so U.S. Bank was the first real change that we saw on that. Well, now that more states are getting into this, DeSantis has come forward and he's pulled $2 billion in Florida funds out of any bank that's using this ESG stuff. And that's a lot of money that banks don't have to invest and and make profit on. So it's starting to get their attention. Uh, Here in Texas, we had the law that said, if you're going to punish energy companies, we're not going to do business with you. And so our comptroller, Glenn Hager, said, well, here's all the companies that, that we're seeing, all the banks that are doing this. And so we're, we, we don't think we're going to do business with these banks. It's, it's really gotten their attention. And so this is, this is something that's starting to gain momentum in our direction. Um, two years ago, we were definitely the targets as conservatives. Um, I think we mentioned that Phil Rizzo, who ran for governor in New Jersey, the banks called him and said, hey, get your money out. Essentially, we don't like your political views. So if you got the wrong political views, you can't use our banks. So all of this is going on. And this would be OK for banks to do if they told people up front that this is their standard. But they're not telling people that we're using this ESG standard. And so people are putting money in banks, not aware that the, the banks are, are actually punishing them and using their money to do things people don't agree with. So now that this thing is starting to get more revealed about what it's about, and legislators particularly, uh, this year at the Wall Builders Legislators Conference, Pro-Family Legislators Conference, this was a big segment. We had several national experts in on this. Um, there's three pieces of legislation being introduced across the country right now in, in all the states. And by the way, if you're a legislator, if you know a legislator and, and they're not on about this ESG stuff, contact us and we'll get you those three model pieces of legislation that are going across the nation and we can get some of this stuff stopped. So having said all that, it's interesting that the the way this has been done is BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street, these are investment groups and they control about 20 to $22 trillion. And, and that's a ton of money. And with that money, they buy up all these, these shares of stock in different companies. Once they get a, a, a controlling interest in those companies, they then say, here's gonna be your new board of directors. And so they've gone into energy companies and replace the board of directors with anti-energy people. And so this big investment tri-group, which is Vanguard, State Street, and BlackRock, Vanguard has just announced it's leaving that climate alliance. It's not going to be part of this anymore. And and so that is a huge, huge victory because that's trillions of dollars of money they had that they were using in the wrong direction. They're saying, we're not going to be part of this anymore. So they're coming back to the free market system rather than the fascist system. And fascist is, is by definition, it's really a, a government-private business partnership where the government is directing what private business does. And so that's what this ESG is, is these private banks, but the government is telling them how to invest and what kind of philosophy to use. And so it's great news that Vanguard has left this fascist kind of system. And I don't say that as a pejorative. I say that by literal definition. 
a government-private partnership. That is the definition of fascism. And so they've said, we're going back to free market. We're going back to where our investors want us to be, the people who put their money with us. And so that's really good. And in the same way, now that Texas is coming into their legislative session, begins here in a couple of weeks, Texas legislators have actually subpoenaed BlackRock, uh, the, the group and its lead people, to come show up and testify in Texas on why they're taking all this money that's being invested and they're using it in things that are hostile to like Texas and so many other states. So really the sunshine is is really starting to come out on ESG. And like with any room, whenever you turn the lights on, the cockroaches are going to start running for the corners. And it looks like that's starting to happen with ESG. The light is being turned on with this, and the bad guys are starting to run for cover. They're leaving it. They're getting out of it. So great news on the ESG front. And this is this is really big about our freedom, but it's also big about our economics as well. Yeah, that's honestly, David, unexpected. I didn't expect any of the the big ones like that to to you know listen to us and listen to their customers. And and of course, like you said, these are big big dollars that are being pulled out by some of these uh, comptrollers around the country. So they're they're obviously listening to the dollar part of it. But here again, man, we say it on this program all the time. Look at what happens when people do stand up and we take action. You can get. Some of these companies that you know we're seeing take woke actions to reverse their actions if if there's enough pressure put on them. This is really good news. I mean, look at what happened with Disney. I mean, talk about a turnaround. They lose 1.5 trillion in a quarter because they're so woke and they've gone so radical LGBTQIA plus, and so they get rid of Shapit. They bring back an Iger. Iger says, you know, our bad. We have a philosophy, but we stopped listening to the people. Yeah, you did. You lost 1.5 trillion in one quarter. And so Iger's back in now, and all of a sudden, I have never seen so many ads about getting back on, on Disney+. Plus. You know, I, I mean, they're really trying to draw people back in because the, the people said, we're not going to be part of your agenda. And this woke stuff, whether it's ESG with Vanguard and BlackRock and State Street, or, or whether it's LGBTQIA plus stuff that is in your face with Disney, I mean, it, it's just radical stuff. And the people are speaking, which is really good. Because a few years ago, we were saying, we really need people to speak up on this stuff. Well, they're, they're getting engaged now. I think they've been shoved into a corner and didn't realize how radical these other groups were and finally decided we got to be average, normal Americans and speak up. And it is starting to have an effect. So not only ESG, but even at Disney. I mean, how amazing is that, that in just that short period of time with a new leader coming in, they're completely reversing their, their advertising, their appeal to people. We'll see if that works. A lot of people are going to say, hey, we've, we've managed to make it without Disney Plus for the last six months. We'll be fine. You know, we'll see if that works or not. But it's just the free market's a really good thing. All right, Tim, I know it's not a competition. Well, yeah, it is. We're, everything's a competition with us. We're just those kind of guys. So I, I, you, how are you going to top this? What, what's your good news that is going to top one that big? Well, I'm just going to go strong and not long. And <laughs> ooh, oh man, <laughs> slap! Wow. So, well, we also have a break coming up uh, shortly. Uh, but guys, this one is from Colorado, and finally on December 12th, it was confirmed. Rep. Lauren Boebert won her reelection. The recount finally was confirmed. Hooray! And a lot of interesting things about this. Uh, when you're looking now at the makeup of Congress, Republicans have 222 seats. The Democrats have 212 seats, which is the exact mirror image of the way it was in this last congressional term, where Democrats had 222, Republicans had 212. Uh, and, it, you know, as we, we've talked about the makeup of Congress already uh, to some extent, especially at the end of the election, what that might look like. But the fact that you had pickups in 
very liberal areas like New York or California where Republicans won some seats to help give them that majority is is just quite remarkable and significant uh, to, to see them. And I'm saying this because obviously losing where we thought there was going to be a red wave and losing that momentum in states where you felt like we should have picked up seats and, and, and losing in areas we didn't think we should have lost in. But then to see in some of these areas where there was some momentum and we picked up some some seats in, in places where you didn't necessarily think that that New York or California would have gone the way it did, given how the rest of the election went. Nonetheless, this is encouraging that even though we might be a little hesitant and skeptical of what all will be accomplished in a a Congress, they do have the ability to slow things down now with the House back in Republican control. They can slow down some of the Biden agenda, uh, some of the administration is trying to accomplish. It, it probably will not stop as much as we would like, but they at least have the ability to to slow down this Democrat objective. And and again, this goes back to Rep. Lauren Boebert finally winning. And uh, when she was elected, I, I think she was the youngest person elected to Congress. Uh, currently, she's only 35 years old and she's about to go into a second term. Uh, so just really, really neat person. We have had her on the program before and she has been an absolute firebrand uh, going out, being a bold advocate for religious liberty, for the Second Amendment, so many of the values that we care about here at Wall Builders, and certainly as people that are, are Christians and care about the Constitution, she is someone who has fought for those on lots of different levels and in different areas. So congratulations to her finally getting that recount done. It's crazy that we're now in, in the middle of December and we're still having to wait to find out how this goes, but at least it's good news that she did win her seat. I started to say that's not fair. You got personal because you got somebody that's like literally a wall builders fan and been through Constitutional Live and all. But but hey, it's competition, so it's absolutely fair. That is even better than David's good news because hey, wait, you know, wait, 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 wait. We let, so- let, let's vote on this. Let, let, wait a minute, I don't, I'm not <laughs> yeah, sure. Two to one, two to one. Oh, you, you're wow. outvoted unless I'll, you can you, you know you can you can find some dead people to vote. Unless he calls for a recount, and then we have to wait months to find out who won. I'm not sure how this goes. Yeah. Too bad. Taking a break. Tim and I win. That's it. Hold on, everybody. We got more good news. And yes, David will get it back where he'll be the first one up. So stay with us. Lots of good news for you today. You're listening to Wobblers. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity, if you're interested in having a wall builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. The Reverend James Caldwell was a famous minister during the American War for Independence. His sermons taught liberty and God's opposition to tyranny. The British hated him and tried to kill him. So for his own protection, 
he would actually take loaded pistols with him into the pulpit and lay them beside his Bible as he preached. In the 1780 Battle of Springfield, the Americans ran out of wadding for their guns, which was like having no ammunition. Pastor Caldwell ran inside a nearby church and returned with an armload of Watts hymnals, the pages of which would provide the much-needed wadding. He took this great Bible-based hymnal, raised it in the air, and shouted to the troops, Now put Watts into them, boys! This pastor's ingenuity saved the day for the Americans. For more information on Pastor James Caldwell and other colonial patriots, go to wallbuilders.com. back here on Wild Builders. Thanks for staying with us on this good news. And the competition continues. We'll see if David can one-up Tim. All right, David, what's the next uh, next piece of good news? Well, this has to do with people in America that have traditional values and views standing up. I mentioned ESG, mentioned Disney. This is more conservative, biblical, theological kind of an issue. Um, and it looks, we've mentioned this off and on over recent months, but United Methodist Church for a number of years has moved further and further left. They've moved far away from very clear, explicit Bible teachings, embracing positions the Bible is explicitly against, but they're doing that in the name of being a Christian denomination, Christian organization. And there's a growing body of people within that denomination, that church. And and by the way, quick shout out, Nebraska I was in Nebraska recently with Cross Diamond, a cattle sale there, found so many people who listened to Wall Builders Live. I mean, we were in communities where maybe there's 50 in the community, and there were so many people showed up at this this cattle sale and so many Wall Builders fans, so great to be there. And they were telling me even there, the theological struggles that they have within their churches there in the country, uh, where that some of those churches, even in the country, e- even with, with farm and ranch people are, are trying to go woke on them, and it's like, do you not even recognize what part of the country you're in in Nebraska? So United Methodist Church, uh, here's one of the articles. It says 439 Texas churches exit the United Methodist Church due to the homosexuality debate. And this is a big issue because what we've seen in recent years is it has appeared by polling that more and more and more of the nation seem to have been going in the pro-homosexual direction. Now, we knew that those those stats really weren't accurate because they didn't ask the question, what are your beliefs? It's just like, we don't want the fight. We don't want the argument. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll embrace that, whatever. And now, as this has gone for the last several years, as we talked about a little earlier, in both Judges 19 and both Genesis 19, the Bible makes it really clear that the other side is not, let's just get along. Let, let's live and let live. It's, we want you to affirm our behavior. And as the, the homosexual side, LGBTQIA plus side, has gotten more and more aggressive and more and more in your face, people are starting to say, wait a minute, we were willing to get along, but you're now trying to take us, you're, you're trying to make us carry your water. We're not going to do that. And so this is kind of what's happened inside the United Methodist Church. And a lot of people are standing up for their conservative biblical theology and saying, you guys are off base. This is not what the Bible teaches. And we're not going to be part of a denomination that claims to be Christian and doesn't follow biblical teachings. So Texas, you got this big exit, same um, same week. Here's 249 North Carolina churches vote to leave over the homosexuality debate. I mean, this is going on all over. And so I was looking at the general stats and the United Methodist churches, it's one of the world's largest denominations. But just here in America, they're losing 2.3 million members. Uh, that's a 38% drop in their membership just over this issue of LGBTQIA+. And, and most people don't think of the United Methodist Church as being a very conservative nomination, and yet we're finding there are a lot of conservative Bible-believing people in that denomination, 
and they're just not willing to go along with stuff that's just not that's clearly not biblical. And, and so this is a 2.3 million member drop out of a total of 6.5 million. So they are one of the large denominations. And they're looking at, by by the end of this year, losing somewhere between three and 5,000 congregations that are exiting that denomination simply because of bad biblical teaching. So I find this really, really, really positive that not only are Americans starting to stand up on, on political issues and economic issues like ESG, but they're standing up on biblical issues like this LGBTQIA plus debate that's gone for years. So I see that as a really positive direction. Yeah, and, and then... Do the denominations pay attention, right? So just like right. uh, you know, just like these big companies and investor groups and all that kind of stuff, will some of these denominations that went so woke, will they say, you know what, we're losing so many? I mean, I know they're digging in right now. So that's why they're splitting uh, so often. But who knows? Maybe uh, you know, sometimes it takes that to wake people up, including leaders of, of churches and the denominations. So could happen. We also could point out if a denomination is having to lick their finger and put it in the air to see which way the wind blows for them <laughs> yeah. to determine the theology of their denomination, then they already have some major problems along the way. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's probably already somewhere that people don't want to be or should not want to be um, if that's the way they're going to go. Nonetheless, Rick, I think you are right. I think there will be some other denominations who, because they have tended to be want to be more seeker-friendly or want to be more accepted, they might see a little bit of the handwriting on the wall, so to speak, and hopefully they will change positions. But they should be changing positions just based on what the Bible says. They should be saying, we want to be biblically sound, not just culturally accepted and loved. We want to make sure we do what the Bible says. And and at least, right, in this, in, in this case, Dad, with the good news you're sharing, there's what 2.3 million i think was the number i heard 2.3 million is what they project will be leaving not that many have left yet but they're on their way well right and so there's probably some people in some of those denominations who don't leave that aren't woke just like there probably are some people in the denominations that are in those churches that left that are woke so it doesn't encompass or that doesn't mean everybody encompassed in the numbers of those churches are necessarily woke or not woke but at least you have some leadership in some of these churches who are saying, if our denomination is rejecting basic biblical truth, we're going to stand with the Bible, not just our denomination. That really is great news. That's very good news. Okay, Tim, you've got our, well, maybe we might get two pieces in. We'll see. What, what's your next piece of good news? Well, guys, this one's coming from Maryland. So Maryland is one of the states that we were watching that had a Republican governor. Uh, governor Larry Hogan is a Republican, certainly not a more conservative Republican, more conservative than the Democrat, but uh, he was term limited out. So he didn't get to run for re-election. So we were not expecting Republicans to necessarily win in this election again there in Maryland. However, uh, Governor Larry Hogan is still the the residing governor in Maryland. And one of the things he did following the move of two other states, South Dakota and South Carolina, have both already done this. And now in Maryland, their governor has said that they are banning TikTok from all government devices, which certainly seems to be a good and logical move based on the available evidence. And the available evidence suggests that TikTok is a dev- it's an app on devices, and that app uh, is able to override some of the other controls, algorithms of other uh, apps. They're able to... Uh, to duplicate more or less the screen, uh, the keyboard, so they they know what other people are, what, what you're typing. If you're typing in passwords, if you're typing responses or texting, uh, they're able to access the camera so they can see where you're looking and what you're doing and where you're going. They can listen uh, with the receiver to audio with everything you're saying. And, and this is, it's not a lot different already than maybe what Apple does, but now you're talking about TikTok, which is a Chinese app 
And this now is potentially giving China access to this data and information and all kinds of information on your phone. And actually, Governor Larry Hogan, when he banned this, he actually cited the FBI director who acknowledged that TikTok poses a threat to national security. And part of what, and this is from FBI Director Christopher Ray. part of what Christopher Ray said is all of these things are in the hands of a government that doesn't share our values and that has a mission that's very much at odds with what's in the best interest of the United States, that should concern us. Uh, we also know there are senators like Marco Rubio, Mike Gallagher, many who have come out talking about the concerns they have with TikTok. Uh, TikTok spokespeople, as you might imagine, came out and said, no, guys, we're not spying on anybody. China's not getting that information. In fact, for, for America, there's different servers. And they, I mean, they're not really in America, but China doesn't have access to them. And so, right, if you can trust <laughs> that China is being honest, saying they don't have access, they're not accessing that information, I don't trust them at all in this regard. But you are seeing some states with governors that are moving to say on some of these technological apps, whether it be China, whether it be Russia, some of these nations that are clearly at odds with Americans, we are finally seeing governors taking steps to say that we're not going to allow our our government devices in this state to have those things on it. We actually know back during the Trump administration that Trump actually told his staff that they couldn't have TikTok on their phones. Actually, that was several years ago when I got rid of TikTok on my phone uh, and just acknowledging that there was some some potential threats and danger with this. Well, the good news at the end of the day on this is that we are seeing finally Republican governors showing some backbone. I think it's a little sad that it's uh, when a governor only has a couple weeks left before he is out that he's showing this kind of backbone, but at least he's showing backbone. And it's only the third state to this point to have a governor to do that. So this is really good news. And coming from Maryland, it it would not surprise us if we're talking about, well, this is South Dakota, South Carolina. You expect in a more conservative part of the nation with a more conservative backbone principled leader to see this kind of stuff. You don't expect it from Maryland, but this is really good news. But it's interesting, too, that you have the director of FBI, Ray saying this is a really bad intelligence risk. And we're hearing that from Pentagon and several others in Biden administration. As you pointed out, Trump pulled it from all the U.S. government stuff. Biden has not done that. And so even his own administration folks are saying this is a real security problem. So if you've got TikTok and TikTok is is a super popular app with a whole lot of young folks, it's really not a good one to have. It's a really good one to get off of your devices, get out of. You don't want that kind of information going into hostile hands for sure, but the government ought to get off it. But if you've got contact in your states, get your governors to do the same thing. Get that, get the state information out of that TikTok stuff. You just don't need that going elsewhere. All right, guys, we are not going to get anywhere near through the stack of good news that you piled up from the last few weeks. So we'll dive into more of that next week on Good News Friday. Uh, but for folks that want more right now, right this minute, go to wallbuilderslive.com. You can get some more good news there by going into the archive section and listening to previous Friday programs. And frankly, a lot of our interview programs also are packed full of good news as well. Now, we're not Pollyanna. We're not just waving the flag and saying, oh, I hope everything works out. I mean, we're diving into the issues of the day. We're looking at everything from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. But not only do we look at that issue and what's actually happening, we talk about solutions for how to turn this culture around, how to be true salt and light. So thank you for listening. Share the program with your friends and family and join us in being salt and light in the community. Biblical values. That's where all the answers are, right there in God's Word, and you can be the one to apply that in your community. Thanks so much for listening today. You've been listening to Wall Builders Live. We stand undivided.